So what do you think? How powerful is, so, is social media? Yeah, look, I, d- I think it's it's powerful, but I think it's it's always been powerful from the day we discovered that it was that it was labor intensive, but quite cost effective. I mean, in twenty years' time, we'll be laughing at how we missed a great opportunity and we're sitting in that opportunity now still. People are complaining that digital marketing is costing a lot of money. It's still so cheap, you know, like you look at what a full page ad in a magazine costs, it's like $5,000 and you only reach 10 or 20,000 people, you know. So you think about how many people you can reach using social media. Social media is very, very powerful if you know how to use it right. A Kangaroo Fern Production. Welcome to Gorilla Podcast, Fresh Eyes. The beat that makes you feel good. A weekly podcast that features interviews with social change leaders or individuals that aims to bring audiences good stories to motivate their own social impact efforts. Now, here's your host. Hello, Yuminisa. Welcome to Gorilla Podcast, Fresh Eyes. This is Miko Santos from The Side Strip. And welcome to our second episode. We're here right now in the beautiful Handorf. And thank you for the house restaurant for the venue for today. And if you like to be in our podcast, just let us know. Please email us at info at kangaroofirm.com. Also, if you want to support our podcast as well, you can check that on patreon.com slash kangaroofirm. For today's episode, we're talking about the power of social media. What is influencer marketing? What is digital marketing that can help your business as well some helping tips our guest for today is a communicator content creator social media guru and a wine lover this is one of my favorite wine lover so we can ask some question about wine definitely she will answer you what is the best wine in adelaide hills region please welcome michaela gilbert aka ideas chick thank you so much for the Coming for our podcast. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. What is Ideas Chick? Okay, so the Ideas Chick is a nickname that was given to me when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And it stuck with me. And I'm still trying to decide, you know, in my 40s, whether I should be the Ideas Chook or, <laughs> or the Ideas Chick. But it has stuck with me my entire adult life, really. And um, I just use it. It differentiates me. People say my name wrong. It's Michaela, not Michaela. Okay. So, um, you know, I guess the ideas chick is an easier way to find me. And, you know, you type in ideas chick and you can find me online. You don't necessarily have to know how to spell my name correctly. So it's just another way of search, which is fantastic as well. Is it because you are a content creator, a creative? Yeah. yeah, I'm one of these people that you can sit me in a boardroom with someone with a whiteboard and they'll give me a challenge and I'll come up with loads of ideas. I'm not necessarily the one to carry out those ideas, but at least I can think outside the box and throw them out there, you know, to to get juices flowing and to get people to think differently. Before this age of influencer marketing, digital marketing, are you doing the email marketing before? Yeah, well, actually, my background is I'm a journalist, so I'm a storyteller mm-hmm. by trade. So... I've been telling stories before I was able to walk. <laughs> so I, I um, my mum will tell you that I was walking around at two with the hairbrush interviewing the dog, you know. I was always into telling people's stories. And 
uh, you know, one of those things is to find an angle and that comes into the ideas is people going, I don't know what makes me unique. I don't know what my story is. So being able to instantly find uh, an angle for an interview or a story is kind of where the idea ideation sort of comes from. And that comes not just from telling stories in newspaper or on radio or uh, blogging today. It can come from, you know, a brand or those sorts of things. So I worked in old school print journalism and then became an editor of a local newspaper. And then I went to the dark side of journalism and went into PR and marketing um, because I was so frustrated working on the editorial side and seeing how lazy or how um, the ideas weren't being generated for me. Like journalism became harder and harder. You know, even today I I feel for the ones that are, you know, they've had their staff cut by, you know, 1,000% and they're having to do everything. So from a PR perspective, it's really important that you go in with a really clear idea so that you're saving journalists' time. So I sort of went to the other side and I felt that I could add value to the industry by doing it that way. And I've always been passionate about the arts and wine, so that were the two areas that I went into, food, wine and art. Um, and then uh, I started, I worked in marketing for SA Great, which is now, I guess it's gone through many different um, uh, sort of faces. It went through to Advantage SA, to I Choose SA, to Buy SA, to Showcase SA. So I was very heavily involved there. I worked in the film industry for quite a while. Um, and then uh, when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, I launched my own series of magazines. So I owned Adelaide Hills magazine. Um, publishing was fantastic. I love magazines. I love being able to come up with great story angles to find the stories and my passion for the Adelaide Hills region. I'm fourth generation Adelaide Hills. My daughter's sixth generation Adelaide Hills. So I know a lot about the region. So sharing those stories, I think we were probably 10 years ahead of our time. Um, We won loads of awards though. And what a great team of people I had the joy of working with. I did have to give up that business um, due to family illness. Um, But then I went on and worked for the Adelaide Oval, setting up their social media and media department for the new stadium, and then worked for New Style Media, where I had the joy of working on many different magazines and many different projects, including a wine magazine and a travel magazine. And yeah, and now um, I'm working in Handoff, um, but I also run my own business. So I'm working with lots of different clients again. So what do you think is the best practice of social media? The best practice of social media is to be as truthful and honest as you can and don't bullshit people because we're pretty smart. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think, how powerful is is social media? Yeah, look, I I think it's it's powerful, but I think it's it's always been powerful from the day we discovered that it was that it was labor intensive, but quite cost effective. I mean, in 20 years time, we'll be laughing at how we missed a great opportunity and we're sitting in that opportunity now still. People are complaining that digital marketing is costing a lot of money. It's still so cheap, you know, like you look at what a full page ad in a magazine costs, it's like $5,000 and you only reach 10 or 20,000 people, you know. So you think about how many people you can reach using social media. Social media is very, very powerful if you know how to use it right and and using it consistently is, I think, the really important aspect of social media is being consistent. It's taking risks, which I think a lot of us don't do because we're afraid of looking like a dork or that we are um, going backwards or that we're 
um, not doing it the way everyone else is. And I think if you worry about what everyone else is doing, you tend to not take risks. I think risk-taking is really important. But social media itself is still 90% free, but it's not free in money. What I'm saying is that the barrier to entry is really, really low. Like anyone can set up an Instagram account. Anyone can set up a, um, a blogging site for free. Anyone can... Um, you know, set up a YouTube channel. So the the barrier of entry, that's the power of it is it's open access. You know, not everyone can afford a graphic designer to do an ad in a magazine. Not everyone can afford a TV ad. You know, so from a business perspective, social media is incredibly powerful because it allows you to get your message across. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. But, and I will say this, We've got to stop looking at social media about what we should be telling people, what we think we should be telling people and be mostly concerned with what people want to consume. And I think that's the difference. It's really hard for me as a social media um, marketer to get that across to even clients sometimes. They want to promote what they want to promote. And I'm like, but nobody cares. And that's really, really hard to get that across to people. So, yeah. So, yeah, so the social media have also a risk. So how do you handle, for example, you have a client. Yes. How do you handle negative comments? Negative comments on their brand? On the brand, yeah. Yeah, look, I love negative comments. I think they're really cool. Um, I love that anyone takes the time to, you know, you think about how you react, you use social media, and I always like to look at this, is how do I use social media? Well, I scroll so fast, um, you know, whatever it is, and I very rarely stop and comment. So if someone stopped and commented... Man, they're they're good customer. We can turn them around. <laughs> they actually care enough. That's that's the way I look at it first. Is I go in going, wow, you actually care enough. I think most people now are taking it off the feed and turning it into direct messaging. So I think the power of direct messaging is where it's heading twenty twenty. Um, so we're almost like going backwards. It's almost like we tried to get people off the feed when they had a negative comment and now I want them on the feed because we no longer have an opportunity to speak to many because it's now become one-to-one of online marketing. Now, that's not the definition of marketing. The definition of marketing is one-to-many. So if you take it to a direct messaging, it's almost customer service and not marketing anymore. So it's really interesting. The whole community manager for social media is going to go through a rapid change in 2020. Um, when there's a negative tom- comment on social media, you can tell the difference between someone who generally has had a bad experience and someone who's being an absolute troll. So you, you, when you've been around it long enough, you can tend, tell, tend to tell. If someone has had a bad experience, is, is be open to it because the chances are they're not the only one that's had one and you need to learn from it as a brand. So that's what I would say about that. How about the fake news? <laughs> some people doing a comment, but some of them are creating a page against another brand, but it's a fake news. How, yeah. how do social media uh, manager, practitioner I deal with that? Just, I actually think that is um, natural selection. <laughs> is, that, is that from other comp- competitors? I just think if people are going to get sucked into that, they're not worth my time. Honestly, uh, fake news. Uh, look, uh, I don't really take much notice of it, to be honest. Yeah. So what 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 social campaign you remember that is very successful? Okay, cool. I think one of the ones that I absolutely loved working on was uh, for a launch of Cabin, which is a tiny house. 
um, which you can rent and hire and go live in. And what I loved about that was we had about three months lead time before we actually launched what it was. So we had an opportunity to create a buzz and um, with people asking lots of questions. They didn't know what it was about. They knew it had something to do with tiny house movement, but they didn't know what it was and they didn't know where it was going to be. And um, that was really fun. And when we launched that site live through Instagram, <laughs> um, the website crashed. So, um, yeah, and they got booked out for a really long time. They're a really successful business. They're still going. So for me, it's a very small campaign, but I really enjoyed that one because it was such a um, a creative one to work on. Um, I love coming up with kind of strategies for social media from the beginning. I've worked a lot with Berenberg um, as well, so with them globally. So worked with them with Amazon in the US and um, working with them now on on some you know, some ideas for new product launches, which is really exciting. Um, other campaigns, I really enjoyed doing my own stuff, to be honest. Like the Ideas Chick tips uh, were really fun and I did them for three years. And then uh, when I went and took a contract for six months, I stopped doing them. And then people were asking me where they were. Like I'd be in the bank or I'd be at WOMAD or I'd be somewhere else and someone would go, why, where are your tips? And so that was really fun. So on on Instagram, social media, Facebook, you now TikTok, what do you think will be happening on influencer marketing? Yeah, well, influencer marketing's obviously had a big shake up with Instagram likes, with all sorts mm. of things. I think Instagram marketing will always have its place. I was speaking to my brother last night, who's a big national, international general manager for a company, and he made me check out the. He had this influencer that he wanted to support with his product and I went and did a bit of research to make sure it was a real person. Um, but I think people still want them. It, people love word of mouth. People like hearing from other people. Now, I think we're smart enough as a society now to know that they're being paid for it. We're not dumb. It's, I think the original influencer marketing of no one knowing whether they were really, whether they just loved this dress or whether it was being paid is is completely blurred now but I think originally we thought it was all organic and natural um I I think it's no different than me taking an ad out in a magazine it's 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 just that their Instagram account is the magazine now so I think that is the difference there I look at social media like each hashtag is a different radio station and then I look at each channel as a different like um like a magazine that's how I kind of use my old school brain to kind of look at social media with influencer marketing i'm about to do a campaign with dogs who are influencers Ooh, on Instagram. i love dog i love doggies <laughs> have you got a dog yeah i got dog i got staffy i got a staffy too <laughs> yeah he was here right now in the oh. burner oh. <laughs> with my family so he's just yeah. rooming around here like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support now back to the show Cool. So what do you think, because when I search on web browser and Google, yeah, a lot of people are buying followers, buying likes. Yep. What do you think about that? Look, I, I'm still angry at Instagram for holding back on the swipe up thing, because the in stories. I, li- I like that, but I'm not, because I'm still not. 10,000, 10, right? 10,000, right. you're very close, but... Um, you know, that whole thing, that made lots of companies buy likes. Why wouldn't you want that swipe up feature? So Instagram kind of 
um, forced companies to do that, which is really sad. But I don't really care how many followers someone's got. If they're providing content for me, I'm still going to follow them. Um, I think the whole number of followers, if you look, so like, look, I love, my favorite social media channel, I've got two channels that I absolutely adore, which is not the two that you would think. I use Pinterest more than any other social media channel, and I am in love with LinkedIn more than any other channel. So very interesting that they're not the ones that most people see me on. But LinkedIn, I have over 20,000 connections. I know they're real. I've done them. I haven't bought any. I message like, you. <laughs> like, I've done them. But then somebody um, commented on one of my posts the other night that I posted something and I only had like 34 likes and two comments. And she actually said to me in the comments, um, I think, like, basically accusing me of buying followers because why didn't I have more likes? And it's like, that's not because I don't have 20,000 followers. That's because whatever I posted was shit. <laughs> so you know what I mean like so I post a lot of content for my about my clients I post a lot of questions I post a lot of content that may not suit everyone when you have 20,000 followers how can you suit everyone like um but you know the whole Instagram look I've got client at the moment we're doing an influencer campaign and they have to have over 50,000 followers that's the rule um but I don't know if they're real or not I mean you can do a bit of testing but I look at the posts, I look at the comments, I look at the content. I want to look at how I can see we can collaborate together. And maybe it's not so much about what's on their channel, but what I can use on my channel. So it's about looking at it differently. Do you really think that have to have a big follower to become an influencer? Because some influence, some content creator, they have they have very good content. Yeah, YouTube, they do. Facebook. But unfortunately, there are not too you, many yeah. followers. But for an influencer marketing campaign... How did it start, the influencer marketing? Well, I think... I don't know exactly how it mm. started, but we were trying to figure... I guess the industry was trying to figure out what to call it, and mm. it made more sense. But influencer marketing's been going on forever. I think we used to call it PR. Like, <laughs> it's just different, you know. Yeah, different. Getting someone to wear your dress down the red carpet was influencer marketing. So... I mean, I think it's the same sort of thing. Um, I look at um, it a little bit differently than most people would, I guess. But when you think about when I'm paying for content, I don't want it to be seen by no one. So especially if you've got clients, you have to be responsible to boards, to budgets, to return on investment, so to speak. So it is a tough one. So saying saying by that, what do you think is a successful content, successful project? Successful content is what, one that drives what dollars in the teal. Yeah, what makes this? <laughs> like this is the thing people forget about social media as well or content marketing. It's all about, it has to be about making money. Um, business is about making money. Now, if you're not about making money but you're about personal brand or profile whatever it might be you're doing that because in the end you want to make money so I don't know many people who are doing their social because they don't want to make money so it's definitely about looking at okay what works and if the content for me is question and answer if the content for a client is pretty pictures, if a content is recipes, if content is video, if content is podcasts, if content is, um, you know, like interviews, it, it, it's going to be different for every client. 
um, good content is what works. Like I've done Facebook Live videos before I got my Steadicam and everything that was shaky, that the internet dropped out three times and yet got 20,000 views during, like it was the biggest social media video I've ever done and it was the worst social media video I've ever done but it was because of what I was filming, the content was great. So it's not necessarily about all the bells and whistles and it's not necessarily about all of the um, the beautiful execution of the content. Sometimes it's just bottom line, it's the content. If you have a look at some of the Instagram accounts that use user-generated content, especially the humorous ones, um, those memes are so badly put together. Those GIFs are crass, you know, but yeah, millions of people follow it and love it. So I don't think it's necessarily good content is about how it's made. I think good content is about what it is. So it's still content is important for that. Content is so important, but it's not just about content. It's about what are you trying to achieve with that content. So content and a story. Yep. So if you get a good content, a good story and... Yeah, but also why are you doing it? Because I can write great stories. I can write great blogs. But if no one reads them, what's the point? I've just wasted three hours or four hours or a week or, you know, so it's about doing some research and figuring out what people want. You can't just build it and they will come. So what do you recommend to a small business mm-hmm. in South Australia or around the world um, if they're starting up on a social media Sure. So channel? the number one thing I would like to say is it's not too late ever. Like you can always start a new account and it work. So don't be afraid that you're too late to Instagram or too late to this or Facebook's changed so much or whatever. I think it's really important when you're starting out to get a presence across all channels, not because people quite often would contradict that and say, no, you should focus all your energy on one. I say test them all out, see where you get the most enjoyment out of it. So if you're going to be doing your social media yourself and you find that you hate Twitter, then don't use Twitter. But if you love Twitter, you might become huge on Twitter but be crap at Instagram. But everyone's telling you to go on Instagram. So I think to start with, test it out, see which one you like. The other one is I'd really say is to look at what your competitors are doing and try and do the opposite of what they're doing. Try and do something completely different so that you stand out. So a, a little bit unique. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, that's fantastic. So, it's, um, so that's your tips to other small business. Yeah. Um, how about the established business now? So some sure. of them are because of a lot of social media now or how do you, what is your advice to them? about? Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Yeah, I think doing a really good audit is probably a really good start for 2020. We've been doing social, a lot of, Big companies have probably had social media teams for a decade now. So I think doing a really good audit, not of your team, but of your actual social media, is going through and pulling all your profiles apart, looking at what's trended over the last, say, three to five years. Um, you know, And you'll see some trends in that. You'll have a look at the data and you'll see that. Um, you'll see that you've done some risks that might have... Um, seen a little blip but then you've stopped so maybe look at reinventing those again um i would say having a really good look at your equipment 
of how you're producing social media. You may have invested a whole lot of money into gear that's now almost obsolete. You could refine that and make mm. it really more nimble. Um, I've just bought a piece of equipment that uh, with the app I can film and it edits it to music while I'm filming it. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so no post-production at all So for social media videos. So it's about looking at that. Um, I'd also look at try not to get too over, um, you know, looking at being in everything. I think, like I said before, try and be everything when you're new and maybe now it's refining that and going, okay, we have a strategy for Twitter now and Twitter is just for customer service and media. And then maybe Pinterest is just for our um, – uh, travel itineraries, for example, or our recipes, right? But all our other content goes on LinkedIn or Facebook. And then our Instagram, we're going to post once a week, but our stories is where we're going to focus our attention. And it could be that your advertising dollars are not necessarily working as hard for you as well. So you might look at it and go, okay, we're going to pull out Instagram ads and just do story ads for a while because there's really good inventory there and it's cheaper at the moment. So, you know, looking at different things and not getting too excited over the TikToks and the, um, you know, other uh, social media that is around uh, for your brand unless it's totally down your – if it's totally your jam and that's where your audience is, then go for it. So any recommendation what is the best channel for social media or depend on the... The one where your audience is hanging out. So, yeah, it's hard. So if your audience is over 40 and local, then I'd be putting... I'd be doubling down on Facebook, Instagram stories um, and potentially LinkedIn if you've got the right connections. You've got to look at it this way, right? Facebook, the only people that are going to see your content are those that are following you. In Instagram, people can find your content though if they're not following you and that's really powerful. So have a look at your number one local hashtag. Have a look at location search. So, you know, if you're based in Handoff, have a look at hashtag Handoff. Hashtag Handoff has got 78,000 posts. People are using it. So people are following that hashtag, not necessarily individual businesses in Handoff. So it's really important that you are putting out content using that hashtag. Um reading up about best practice on each of those channels is really important as well. So, I mean, I learn every week that something's changed. Instagram changed this week. They put the heart at the bottom, up the top and the arrow at the bottom. Um, you know, um, I found out only a month ago that you can use three hashtags in Instagram stories if you do it as text and not as a sticker. Look, I didn't know that. Like, how did I not know that? Like, there's all these things that you just, you've got to stay abreast of what's going on. In relation with um, a lot of people talking about, they want to be have to be a digital nomad. Digital nomad. Because one of your posts, you are drinking wine with a laptop. Yes. Being a digital nomad. Is- I am. That's my new job. I'm a digital <laughs> nomad now in 2020. So, how if some people want to be like that? How? What's your step in yeah. doing that? I mean, look, I think the digital nomad thing, there's a couple of different d- versions of digital nomad. One is those that find work on the go. So when you're out and about, you actually c- collaborate with other digital nomads and try and get work or you go to working spaces and find work or you find work from websites. So 
uh, especially in the digital space or writing space, all those sorts of things. I've met people in Cambodia that have been living there for five months and they were journalists from America but they were writing for English newspapers and something else. Um, I think as well digital nomads are people that um, have their own business and they can work freely. Um, there are some companies now in Australia, even even Adelaide, that they have no office. So their um, staff will work wherever they want and they they work via video, FaceTime. They have um, boardroom meetings where they do get together face-to-face. Um, but I decided uh, in November this year that I'd be a digital nomad. Everything I need for my work is in one backpack, everything. Um, I don't have a printer. I'm paperless. Um, I don't even carry a notebook anymore. So I've become completely digital um, and all my camera equipment, all of my vlogging equipment, um, my laptop, my phone, um, everything I need is as compact as possible and I work wherever I want. So I work from a cafe one minute, a pub, by a pool, in a garden. I'll take my dog for a walk and sit in the dog park and and work for an hour. So it's really about... um, making it as easy to work wherever you want. Is that a new thing now in 2020? Um, I think the technology has made it easier for people. Um, I'm going to Spain for a month in May and I'm planning on working every day while I'm away. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But um, I decided to put the digital nomad to its test in May and go away for a month. So my clients are nervous about it, but I keep saying to them, but I don't see you for three weeks now. <laughs> so, you know, it's just that they think the distance is going to make a difference. But I don't know. I think we're going to head into a really interesting time. Um, I kind of wish I did it a lot more. We had this when I was a young mum. It would have been amazing. Like I still get to pick up my daughter from her friends and drop her off at school and all those things, but she's a teenager now and she's too cool for me. <laughs> <laughs> So every time you go to uh, post your content on Facebook, on Instagram, yeah. there's always a wine. There's always a wine. So what type of wine are you favorite of? I am a self-appointed Australian Chardonnay ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very official, doesn't it? Um, I'm a Chardonnay lover. I've been in food and wine, but mostly wine journalism and, and kind of supporting the wine industry since before I was legal to drink alcohol. Um, when I first discovered Adelaide Hill Chardonnay, it just, I almost cried. It was like this moment of joy. Um, I don't drink every day, which a lot of people think I do, and I don't uh, very rarely get drunk. It's not that at all. I just love a good Chardonnay. So I would prefer to spend $100 on a bottle of wine or $50 on a glass of wine and have one um, than drink really bad wine. (laughs) So I've done a lot of study in wine. I've met lots of winemakers. I've published wine magazines. I've done courses in wine. Um, But Chardonnay is just something. And then you look at the Australian wine industry is amazing. And then you look at the South Australian wine industry. We're so lucky to live in a place like this. And then Adelaide Hills is my is is just where my heart is. Um, you know, I'm fourth generation Hills. My daughter's sixth generation Hills. I owned Adelaide Hills magazine, so Adelaide Hills wine is is beautiful to me. My boyfriend is actually working at an Adelaide Hills winery for fun on weekends to learn more about wine himself. Um, since we've been dating, I've been learning wine through his eyes, which is really cool as well. 
But, you know, when you think about our wine industry in the hills, you know, we've been decimated with the Adelaide Hills bushfires and it's really, really important that we don't um, – this is going to sound a bit weird um, – we need to support those wine uh, grape growers and wine producers that lost a lot or everything. But we also need to remember to support the ones that didn't because, um, you know, they're not getting – any business at the moment because everyone's buying the other ones so it's a fine line but keep supporting the region as a whole not just the ones that have been affected because our whole region has been affected by the bushfires so you're promoting the Adelaide hills in south australia as well have you met um Cosi castelli yeah absolutely yeah 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 i'm trying to email him to be a guest here. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. But Have you got onto his assistant? Kylie? But he's busy. Nah, I'm not okay. sure yet. Yeah. Hopefully, I just sent an email. But yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, it's hard to get people who are busy to give up their time. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I do tips because I want to help. But I don't have the time. I have lots of people contact me going, oh, can I take you out for lunch or coffee to pick your brains? It's like, I wish I had the time. But, you know, I'd love to help everyone. So the tips are back. They're on LinkedIn now, not on Instagram or Facebook. I've decided to put them on LinkedIn um, because that's where my biggest audience is. So, you know, like I did the Instagram tips for three years um, and people love them, but that's not where my audience is. So I've decided to put them on in LinkedIn. So come on over and find me on LinkedIn. The hashtag ideas chick, you'll find me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also the Twitter. You just Twitter. Yeah. I decided this you week. D- yeah. I saw your message yeah. first time. Yeah. I haven't been on Twitter for a little while, like probably six months. And I've got a big audience on Twitter and I was very prolific on Twitter back in the day. It was running the hashtag Adelaide Hills pretty much. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. Um, I just want to see, I'm testing it really for a client. And mm. also for me, like I, I still want to play in all the sandpits. I'm a child at heart. Um, I don't want to, I've got fear of missing out. I want to see what's going on. Um, so I've decided just to jump back in there for a little bit as well. But um, it's hard to stay on top of everything. Like it really is. Um, podcasts are a great way of, of like multitasking learning. And I, I thank goodness for the podcast that I can listen to when I'm walking my dog. Um, Safi the Staffy. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, it's, 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 it's really important that you stay on top of things. If people are looking to find out more about digital nomads, um, there's a book called Work Wherever by Lisa Messenger that one of my clients and friends uh, put me onto and it's really helped me sort of understand what I need to make that happen. Thank you so much for that tips and advice. So any parting word that to our listener and audience who is looking at and getting on a social media bandwagon. Sure. Okay. I want you to be consistent across the platforms. It's really, really important that you let somebody else read it. Don't just go on there and write it yourself, especially if you're by yourself in business. Get somebody else to have a look at it and get their opinion. Family, friend, neighbor, someone in a cafe, whatever. 
um, the librarian. <laughs> I work a lot in libraries now. I've discovered how cool libraries are. Now that I'm a digital nomad, I just love them. They're fantastic. Our libraries have changed so much since I was last in one. Um, just a little offset there. Um, you can drink coffee in a library now. I didn't know that. Anyway, <laughs> um, the other thing is, is get your profile right on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm going to explain something just quickly. Google is the godfather of everything online, right? Facebook owns Instagram, Messenger, blah, 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 right? They hate each other's guts. So it's really, really important if you're going to play in the digital landscape that you play, put your foot in both camps. But always be wary of Google the godfather, right? So if you're going to – it's really important if you Google your business that you have got your my business Google My Business account. Google My Business is so powerful. Um, posting in that is incredibly powerful. Gone is Google Plus, but Google My Business, super important. It's so much real estate and it's really important that you own that space. Second, that you have a look at what comes up when you Google your business. Having a LinkedIn company page usually comes up very high, but I bet you if you click on it, it's tumbleweed and you've never posted anything on it. You've probably never even optimized your company page on LinkedIn because you don't think LinkedIn is important. But if you look at Google, what are the three things that Google puts up as the most important? Probably your company link, your company Facebook page. So make sure that your about is right on your company Facebook page. Don't just worry about your individual personal branding because if I Google um, someone's business, I'm going to look at Google my business. So if the photos are crap and the timing's not right and all the information's not right, it's going to look really unprofessional. If I go to their LinkedIn company page and there's no top photo and there's no information, there's no contact details and you haven't even posted one or two posts, it's going to look like a desert. Mm-hmm. And if you go to a company Facebook page because people are going, oh, I only use Facebook um, to do ads now and then I use my personal brand to promote my business. Well, that's great, but Google doesn't give a shit. Google cares about what Google looks like. So you need to make sure, and if you've got a YouTube channel, second biggest search now, and YouTube is owned by Google. So why wouldn't you be playing in that space? So what I've been doing for clients, if you can't afford high production YouTube video, is do a Facebook Live, download it from Facebook and upload it to YouTube. At least you're going to have some video content for search. So that's a couple of tips. Thank you for that <laughs> advice, health and tips. Thank you so much for guesting to the Guerrilla Podcast Fresh Eyes. It's been it's been a while to to contact you. You're very busy. Yeah. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. If you need any question, just ask Michaela on her social media platform. So what is your platform? You just find me on Ideas Chick. Yeah, so just search that hashtag. You'll find me. It's not hard. Thank you so much for this episode. For for next week episode, I'll let you know. Thank you so much. If you want to subscribe, please subscribe, like, and make a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, especially or YouTube. Please let let us know as well. If you want to sponsor us, please support at Patreon.com/slashKangaroo. Thank you so much. See you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted in Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. 
If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. And if you want to know more, check out kangaroofern.com.